Coming up on The Cody Willard Show, Tesla's Elon Musk drives towards taking his company private. But what's with the tweet and where's the money going to come from? Trillion dollar wars. Amazon versus Apple versus the world. Cody explains it all. The Alex Jones Infowars shutdown and what it means for conspiracy theories, free speech, and online platforms gatekeeping. Plus, your questions and breaking news as it happens. The Cody Willard Show is brought to you by TradingWithCody.com. Uh, I've got my executive producer and partner, Chris McHugh, in the house with me. Hey, how's it going, Cody? It's like a party. It, it's like a party. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like it's a party. Let's have a party, Chris. Hit me with what do you want to talk about first, man? And frankly, gonna, I think I've got an inkling. I'm going to hit you with my best shot, and that is, Cody, what's up with Elon Musk trying to take Tesla private on Twitter? Nonetheless, who does that? What kind of day and age do we live in? Well, you know, I've got a couple of three different takes on this, and I'll tell you on the first part. Number one, everyone that's saying that Elon Musk should not have tweeted this kind of information, what he did yesterday, which is shocking because nobody really does it this way ever before. He just tweeted out that, hey, I'm considering taking Tesla private. I've already got the funding. And he went out to the public just straight using social media. If you're following Elon Musk, which, by the way, I can't because Elon Musk has me blocked. Is that right, Chris? I think that's I'm right. It, that's what it looks following. like. It says I, you I are know, blocked. I didn't know I was blocked by Elon Musk until yesterday when I tried to write about this topic and I tried to tweet to Elon Musk and it wouldn't fill out. And so then I went over to his Twitter thing and it... That was my screen, so I took a screenshot. I guess I've been blocked by Twitter. Um, anyway, the point, I've been blocked by Elon Musk at least, anyway, on Twitter. But the point being, it's ironic that he's blocking me on Twitter because what he was actually doing yesterday was being incredibly transparent. The way it typically happens when a company gets taken private is only the insiders and maybe the biggest shareholders would know that it's even happening and the retail investor, the average Joe, would find out after the fact that the board's already thinking to try to merge or take a private or whatever the transaction might be. In this case, Elon was actually incredibly transparent by going out to the public immediately. Well, maybe not immediately, but if the last week at some point, the board started meeting talking about taking Tesla private. And instead of waiting till they were far down the path, Tesla just, uh, Elon Musk just preempted it. And sent that information out to everybody. So everybody's complaining that somehow that was a violation, when in reality, I think that is actually probably the most transparent way to do it. Now, on the other hand, why does Elon Musk want to take Tesla private anyway? I mean, after all, there's, I don't, number one, I don't think he can. The company's got a 50, $60 billion market cap right now. And if they're going to take it private, I, he's saying they'll take it private at $420 per share. I don't know that his shareholders would be okay with that. $420 is, I mean, that's only, what, another 20%, 10% of where the stock was its all-time high just recently, earlier last, uh, late last year. So why does he want to take it public? Well, one of the things he cited was that these short sellers are so mean, they keep 
picking on his company and it's bad for morale and the other shareholders, including the employees of the company. This will, be the, this will not be the last time I emulate crying today, by the way. Uh, stay tuned. Um, so I got to ask, what's wrong with short sellers? Do you think Steve Jobs cared about the short sellers when the iPhone was rolling out? when the iPod was coming out. There were short sellers everywhere in that stock when I bought it at a dollar per share in March 2003. And I didn't care. Let the short sellers short the stock till the cows come home. Elon, if you deliver fundamentals, if you just focus on the company and not the short sellers or the traders in the stock, if you earn $50 a share someday, like Apple does. If you earn, well, well, not $50 per share for Apple, but if you actually went back pre-split adjusted, I've owned Apple for uh, 14 to one shares. I have 14 as many shares now as I did when I bought one share in March, 2003. And the company is making like $50 per share compared to the share that I bought. And the stock at the time was $14, split adjusted at $1. But so if you can earn more than your share price is in five or 10 years, Elon, it doesn't matter what the short sellers are doing. The stock will be much higher because you're earning a lot of money. Go earn $200 per share and the short sellers will be squeezed out at $1,500 or $2,000 per share. And finally, I just want to tell you, Main reasons I don't own Tesla is because I don't even understand the company's business model. They are barely, if are at all, going to make profits on most of their cars, net margins. I'm speaking to net margins there. Meanwhile, the company is profitable, and maybe at the last half of this year will be profitable, quote unquote. But you're also, they're measuring, they are actually counting selling tax credits from New Nevada, from California, um, carbon tax credit trading. They actually sell casinos tax loss credits that the state of Nevada gave them. And they count that selling of tax credits as profits. So the company might quote unquote be profitable, but I do not like to buy companies that are so dependent upon largesse, tax subsidies, corporate welfare to even get to profitability. And if you recall, Tesla was funded with welfare money, $500 million welfare loan from the Department of Energy years ago. So, I mean, I, you know, I wanna buy companies that are selling products or creating platforms that I can understand that have revenues and earnings not companies that are gaming Republican Democrat regime subsidy targeted tax trick games and calling it profits. So I don't own Tesla, never have, probably never will. Back to you, Chris. Surprise, surprise. I got Jim Neighbors by request here. And you know what? I love some of these cuts that he's got. My favorite by request is Apple versus Amazon versus the world, Cody. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, Chris, I, 
I, I actually did some a, a little bit of footage last night. If you'd roll it from my family, we I just went around and grabbed a handful of the Amazon and I Apple devices we have. Who's Cody Willard? My daughter says. Cody Willard is an American investor, television anchor, and former hedge fund manager. I, Chris, I was hoping you actually had the clip where she said, "Who's Cody Willard?" and Amazon said, um, "I don't know." But the point being that if you'll see, we've got all these devices down here, Amazon and Alexa. I've got Fire Sticks, Alexa devices. Ameris there is grabbing one of the Alexa. I don't even remember what that Echo Dot, Echo Tower, whatever that thing is. And Apple and Amazon are truly trillion-dollar companies. I mean, Apple's basic already there outright. Um, I actually uh, predicted a long time ago. We'll talk about that in just a second. But let me run through. Let me try to put some perspective. I wrote, I wrote this for Trading with Cody subscribers yesterday morning when I was thinking about how a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars, let's just put some perspective on what a trillion dollars is. The companies, Apple and Amazon, are both essentially worth a trillion dollars at this particular moment. A uh, trillion dollars is a thousand million dollars. So uh, that's a lot of money. I'm, I'm sorry, a thousand billion dollars. You see how big those numbers get? A thousand billion dollars is a trillion bucks. All right, there's some more ways to think about it. The gross world product, basically the economy of the entire world, $90 trillion this year. Apple and Amazon worth $1 trillion each. Total U.S. gross domestic product this year, about $20 trillion. So Apple's and Amazon's market cap are equal to about 5% of the entire United States economy and equivalent to about 1%, more than 1%. Together, they make up more than 2% in their, in their valuation it's more than 2% of the entire world's annual economic activity. Apple will probably do close to $276 billion in sales next year, up from $263 billion. That's equivalent to more than 1% of the U.S. GDP. Interestingly, though, Apple does most of their sales overseas, unlike Amazon, who will actually do close to $286 billion in sales this year, Passing, surpassing Apple on the top line, up from $234 billion in 2018. Unlike Apple, almost all of Amazon's revenues are actually in the United States. And you're talking about more than 1% of the United States, more one cent out of every dollar of economic activity is how much revenue Amazon does. That's not an actual measurement. It's not like Apple, like when the economists measure GDP that they take Amazon's actual revenue top line and put it in there. But because it is all domestic sales, much of that actually is contributing to the United States GDP. I don't think it's quite one cent out of every dollar going to Amazon yet. Apple will buy back more than $100 billion of Apple shares this year and also issue a up to 15, probably more than 15, maybe up to $20 billion in dividends this year. That's $115 billion. 
equivalent to 0.6% of the U.S. GDP. Apple will be sending out to shareholders and or buying stock back with $115 billion of cash. Amazon hasn't bought a share of Amazon stock back in many, many years and not issuing any dividends. And I don't expect they'll be doing either one of those things anytime soon. Apple profits this next year, probably $70 billion in 2019. That's up from about $60 billion this year. Amazon is expected to generate only $13 billion in profit versus, that's next year, 2019, versus this year's $9 billion in profit. So Amazon is going to do much, is going to do more sales than Apple this year, but will have a fraction of the profits. Why? Because a retailer of other people's products doesn't have the gross margins that an Apple product maker which makes their own products and sells them would. Of course, Amazon is starting and making ever more hardware devices and depending more and more upon software revenue. And there, the margins are huge. In Amazon Web Services and in Apple's services business, when you're buying and selling or doing anything in the App Store, for example, those margins for Apple and Amazon are probably the gross margins are over 90%. So lots of profits to come for Amazon as their platforms become more important drivers versus the retail side of the business. Whereas Apple also actually going to be expanding margins in coming years because services are becoming a bigger part of their overall revenue. Services are growing 30 or 40% per year for Apple. The hardware business, in a good year grows 10 or 15, maybe 20%. And in a bad year with an iPhone cycle that didn't roll out or something, it can actually be slightly down. Amazon, I don't think, has ever had a down year in sales. Uh, Apple's up 51,000% since its IPO 38 years ago. That is an 18% annualized gain. Amazon is up more than Apple in a shorter amount of time. 108,000% profits in Amazon in 21 years. And that is a 40% annualized gain. That's why Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the history of the planet. The richest person. The richest being. Not including supernatural beings. Apple has almost 5 billion shares outstanding. Amazon has 500 million shares outstanding. That is why Apple's stock price is almost one-tenth of what Amazon's stock price is, but they are both have $1 trillion market caps. And Apple has Siri, which sucks. And Amazon has Alexa, which is pretty awesome. Alexa. Play me Dinosaur Jr. I can't find songs by Dinosaur Jr. <laughs> oh, you need a subscription man. package. You need to upgrade. I get it. I, I listen to Dinosaur Jr. songs all the time. Alexa, play Dinosaur Jr. on Spotify. Oh, 
Alexa, play Spotify Dinosaur Jr. Now, I will say this, by the way, one last thing about Apple. Uh, this is actually not about Apple. This part's Amazon versus Spotify. If you ask Alexa to play just Dinosaur Jr., she randomly shuffles the songs. If you ask Alexa to play Spotify, Dinosaur Jr., come on, where'd you go? Alexa, play. Oh, Lord. It would. It, it plays. Your your the, wife is in the chat song. room and she says you're driving my Alexa crazy. You're driving your wife crazy on this show, Cody. You do it at home all the time and then you got a bugger when you're broadcasting? What, what kind of person Alexa. are you? Alexa. Alexa. Everybody how about, listening how, is How about you talk to, to your wife, Lori? Crazy. How about you apologize? I'm sorry, Lori. This I'm is going to be a spousal issue when you guys get home. All right, Chris. Uh, do you got anything else with there you want to get on? Yeah, Alexa, oh. stop playing music so we don't get flagged by Sony Music or whoever oh, yeah. owns Dinosaur Alexa, Jr. Stop. Um, I would like to say, too, hi in the chat room to uh, obviously uh, your wife who you're driving crazy. Uh, Steven, Sabir, Cassie. Uh, we got uh, Ross Mark. I don't know who that guy is. Sue Ann, Lauren, many others in there as well. And, um, you know, comrade, 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 can I call you that? Comrade you can. Cody? You forgot one thing. We want to hit, put up my prediction, apple of my eye. Oh, I called it. oh, this is, this is the headline, everybody. Look at this. That's 2010. Now... I will say, it wouldn't shock me at all if the markets are putting in a top, just as now the whole world is celebrating what I predicted eight years ago, that Apple would be the first trillion dollar company in the world. The company was worth less than, well, it was about $150 billion. It's gone up like six times, sixfold, since I made that prediction to get to a trillion dollar market cap. This is my victory lap and also my suggestion that let's be cautious when everybody's celebrating the first trillion dollar company of the world. Cody Chris, next topic. Scores. Thank you. So, uh, comrade uh, Willard, uh, how do you say uh, GOP and Democrats actually communists? Hmm? Here's a story. Let's just back it up and give you some context here. My wife is an attorney and does pro bono work at times. And Saturday, she was out doing pro bono work, an open legal advice thing at the community center and a former history teacher of mine, Gerald Ames, respect the heck out of this guy. He was actually a very powerful influence on me and my political viewpoints and the way that I question Republicans and Democrats and the power that they have. And anytime that they're trying to pretend that they're either a liberal or B conservative or the Republicans are for free markets and Democrats are for poor people because it's all BS, man. And one of the things that he taught me, if we could, Chris, this is my, some pictures from my yearbook that I found when I, after my wife told me that she had seen Gerald last week. This is him 25 years, 30, 20, 30 years ago, I guess, 1988. 
used to teach us about how the we, we did the stock market game. This is what I'm trying to get to. We did a stock market game and he would go, look, it's ba basically how the market, the world headed into depression. And you would have kids that could buy and sell anything they want. They'd buy stocks They and, and he'd make up these symbols and the stocks would go up and then he's trying to pitch us to go on margin. And he'd be like, guys, if you'll just buy stocks on margin, instead of making a little bit of money, you can all be millionaires. And a bunch of us did. So we'd all start going on margin and the stocks would go up even more. And all of us were rich and millionaires. And then the crash came. And just a few kids had never invested and kept their cash the whole time. And the rest of us were caught and we tried to sell. But by the time you'd sell, it would drop another 40 or 50 or 70 or 80 percent. And you were on margin and we all went broke. So all of the kids who were safe and didn't invest at all, they had money and they were going to get A's for the assignment. Maybe there were one or two kids that had just invested a little bit and never went on margin, and they were going to get B's and C's. Out of a class of 25 kids, there was maybe two A's, two B's, one C, and the rest of us were F's. So Gerald did this thing. He said, look, you guys can choose. You can vote. Do you want it to be a capitalist society? Do you want freedom? Should the people who earned their A's keep the A's and should the people who were risky take the F's? Well, we all voted communist. We all wanted that C. And so the masses overruled the people who had been smart and conservative and safe. And you fast forward to real life today and isn't that sort of what happens with the bailouts? rewarding shareholders of banks and corporations that should have gone bankrupt and gone to zero because they risked their money. You took taxpayer dollars from the middle class, the poor people, the working class, and you sent it to the rich. And then, of course, let's just keep going here. Let's call out all of the hypocrisy from Republicans and Democrats. You got farmers on welfare for soil conservation and everything under the sky. Now they're going to get more bailouts for these farmers and the more realistically, the farming corporations, corporations that are related to the farming industry. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but the farmers themselves, they're going to get some welfare and they're going to get the ranchers are going to bid under market for ranch cattle, public lands that they can run it on. You got three steel companies that are begging for the public for more support with endless tariffs, I guess. More corporations getting subsidies in every form, like Amazon headquarters too, shopping around and extorting as much money and subsidies and welfare that they can get from any city that'll give it to them. Every professional sports team on welfare, the stadiums all publicly subsidized. Why? Every corporation that broadcasts news, every bank, every food production company, every chicken beef company, every railroad, every internet company, every car company like Tesla, they're all on welfare and begging for more welfare and they're all voting Republican and Democrat, and they want us all to be seeds. It's pretty much only the middle class entrepreneur 
who is not on welfare at this point. It's the middle-class entrepreneur that is paying their full share, 40, 50% of their tax, of their income is taxed every year. Billionaires, millionaires, and corporations pay a small fraction of that, maybe 10 or 15%, maybe 25%. And that's not even counting the subsidies that those companies and billionaires and millionaires get that the middle-class entrepreneur does not get. And this all comes back to the lesson that Gerald Ames taught me in 11th grade history and social studies. You guys are all delusional and hypocrites if you're voting Republican and Democrat and calling yourself a free marketer or doing something for the poor. You're not. You're just voting for C's. Chris. Cody, uh, while you were talking there, I came up with a uh, high concept uh, movie. Maybe uh, Ross the Boss could help us workshop it. It's a science fiction. Uh, happens in Russia. So it's Russian science fiction. And the whole concept is they have things they need like toilet paper. What do you think? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, that was a bad joke, which segues into amazingly bad movie reviews. Right, Cody? Now for something Amazingly bad movie reviews with my old and dear friend. And by the way, we had a picture of Neil Patrick Harris there from that high school journal book. And this friend of ours that we are about to see, Corey Turner, doing our amazing bad re movie review, grew up with Neil and, and me, grew up with Neil and me for many years. Let's see it, Corey. This is Corey Turner, and welcome to Corey Turner's Amazingly Bad Movie Reviews. 1989's Canadian horror movie, Things, puts an incoherent strain of badly lit scenes, poor acting, incoherent dialogue, and completely unrelated Amber Lynn news reporter cut-ins together to form an unforgettable movie. Seriously not gonna watch this whole thing, are we? So you want kids but can't physically conceive? So what's the next best option? As this film shows, you should carry out some bizarre and dangerous experiments on your wife in efforts to father a child. I mean, what could go wrong with that? A lot of things. This gore fest of a movie is packed full of haunted house type special effects, these non-human things that go on a rampage of attacks, and the whole time you're asking yourself, what am I watching? So well, you are, you, are you gonna check out that movie or what, Cody? What's going on? I, I've are actually, I, I own that movie on uh, VHS and Laserdisc. And I actually just ordered the copy for my Argus Dual Master 882. Um, so you're just going to be able uh, to watch the five-minute version, right? Because those are the small reels. You're not going to be able to. I'll, I'll just keep. It. I'll change it every five. It's no problem. I'll, oh, you'll five just minutes, keep on another five minutes. Fifty-seven times. Yeah. Keep Twenty-two on. times for that movie. I've done it many times. For CNBC and Fox News anchor, hedge fund manager, and the go-to stock market guest for the Tonight Show. Cody Willard and his stock analysis have been published in the Financial Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, and many other places. Want to follow his secrets to investment success? Go to tradingwithcody.com. There you can get analysis on stocks, cryptos, markets, and the economy, a full list of Cody's positions, access to Cody's chat room, trade alerts every time Cody buys or sells, and much more. To find out more, go to tradingwithcody.com. Look, 
this whole Alex Jones controversy, he's been pulled off of every major platform, I guess, except for Twitter. And it got me thinking, if are we supposed to take this serious? Like, is Alex Jones serious about anything? Or is he actually the one who's just faking it all? And he's the conspiracy cyst. The He's not a conspiracist. He is a conspirator. Is that the story here? Let's just do some compare and contrast. Can we please frame how we used to frame, talk about headline news and how people who are consuming, for example, Infowars are consuming the mainstream news these days? Tuesday, January 20th, 1981, a day that began as the 444th day of captivity and ended as the first day of freedom for the American hostages in Iran. <laughs> so evil. Why can't America wake up and beat him? <laughs> Donald Trump's not perfect, but he doesn't oh, want to hurt you and your family. Hillary and Obama want to make you poor and pathetic. We have all their white papers. They hate you. They hate prosperity. They hate God. They hate children. And goddamn them now. Wow. Um, and we're going to find the lever to beat these people. I'm very angry at Republicans and Democrats and Trump and Hillary, and I'm pretty sure they are taking the middle class wealth. I like when he wipes the sweat off his face. I like that sound. It's a good show. One more wipe. He is. Puts on a good show. Excuse me. With Dr. Group's help, we have developed the ultimate male vitality supplement with eight concentrated super. And Cody uh, pointed out, this is what he sells on his show. Oh what the hell? What? Well known to be safe. Uh, and and uh, please, uh, doctor, doctor, wait a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to cut cut to commercial for just a moment. Cut, cut, cut. Get everybody out of here. So all I can tell you is I don't take that serious. I mean, whether the guy's peddling some male vitality. I mean, isn't that the very definition of snake oil salesman in the 21st century? Male vitality BS, vitamins, supplements, stuff. That is snake oil salesman, literally. I went on Amazon, though. They had three and a half stars, I want to say, on it. People were very satisfied with that. For me. And the ones that weren't, at least on the first couple, they were like, yeah, it didn't work for me. It was there was like nobody blasting Alex Jones oh, for this you don't for this project. Alex Jones is filtering and editing and having his fans go out and manipulate his ratings and everything else. Again, who is the one conspiring? No, no one would ever manipulate ratings, Cody. That never happens. Uh, conspiracy theories never happens. But what about free speech, Cody? What about? his free speech on these platforms that say there used to be anything goes and now they're the new gatekeepers. What say you? Look, I, the, what he violated, what, the one thing that confuses me is how all of these corporations decided to do it all at the same day. That doesn't, it doesn't fit the smell test with me. Is it, was it a, a rash decision or a conspiracy? No, I don't. It's not. I don't know. None of it makes sense that they would suddenly Spotify, YouTube, Apple, uh, and one other all pulled them off on the same day uh, or within 24, 48 hours of each other when he has been harassing and causing pain and 
that you know the, the some the, there's an example of the Sandy Hook parents that have had to move seven times, and he will not dis, they don't want to disclose in court where their actual address is because they're being harassed and even having their lives threatened by Alex Jones Jonesites, and I I mean if you're if you, those are private people. I mean, Alex Jones is a big boy out here in the public, and I'm going to talk about him and go after him. And frankly, you can talk about people in the private too, but you do not harass people. You do not cause actual real-world emotional pain for people that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Alex Jones should have been pulled off a long time ago for doing things that were causing pain to people and harassing people and violating terms of service at most of these public networks, uh, public social media platforms. But um, it doesn't make any sense the way it all went down in the last two or three days. Everybody's wrong here. Imagine that. Yeah, and we got some uh, comments in the chat room. Arthur Miller says... Uh, your take on the misdirection game of the Clintons pointing to Trump on I hope he knows which side he's on, while Frank, the 25 to $100 million donor of the Clinton Foundation, was guided with the help of Bill and Hillary to obtain uranium rights to... So, okay, yeah, look, you, did Hillary and the Clintons and the Democrat Party... Uh, get in bed and monetarily benefit and get information from the Russians? Probably, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did the Trump campaign do the same thing in a different way? Probably, yes. Are they all wrong? Probably, yes. Imagine that. Everybody's wrong in this case. Don't try to... Like, if, if you're so delusional that you think that only the Clintons would do that or only the Republicans would do that or only the Democrats, you guys are missing it all. They're all together on it. Chris, drives me crazy. A former CNBC and Fox News anchor, hedge fund manager, and the go-to stock market guest for The Tonight Show, Cody Willard and his stock analysis have been published in the Financial Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, and many other places. Want to follow his secrets to investment success? Go to tradingwithcody.com. There you can get analysis on stocks, cryptos, markets, and the economy a full list of Cody's positions, access to Cody's chat room, trade alerts every time Cody buys or sells, and much more. To find out more, go to tradingwithcody.com. I'm Ross DeBoss. I want to talk sports with you, cowboy. Big, big night last night. One of my favorite shows premiered on HBO, Hard Knocks. It means it's the beginning of football season. You know what that means to me? It means it's, it's like the being at the 16th chapel. It means being at the Mecca of sports, the beginning of football, NFL. They, they featured the Cleveland Browns are going to be featured this year. It's going to be a great year. They started with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson's mom died and brother died within two weeks. They showed the whole thing um, about him finding about his mom dying. It was very sad. I'm surprised they showed it. They kept it in, but bravo HBO for doing that. It was very emotional. Um, they also talked about Baker Mayfield. Um, he uh, was the number one pick, Heisman Trophy winner. They showed him a lot. He rented a camper for this year. All the quarterbacks will sleep in the camper this year. It's going to be interesting. Um, great speech by Jarvis Landry. 
He um, is a receiver that played for Miami last year. He's a free agent. He this great, inspiring speech about players not coming to practice, missing practice because they're hurt, supposedly. Um, he does very inspirational speech. Great show last night. I had a great time watching it. Um, I hope you guys can watch it too. Um, it was, it was, they did a great job. Bravo Ross, does, HBO. Do the Cleveland Browns have any chance of winning eight games, half their games no, they, this they were, year? They were 0 and 16 last year, and they have no shot. I mean, I don't Come think on, Baker Mayfield, though, man, that guy's. I mean, he feels like a winner. I loved watching him, and I don't like college football. I don't even like. Yeah, but remember, was, he, 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 I remember, like he's the backup. Back. He's not even starting this year. It's going to be Tyrod Taylor, um, the, the quarterback from Buffalo. Baker yeah, got no will there. be lucky if he plays a few downs this year. I, I don't see him playing much unless they say, "Screw it, Let, let's put Baker in." The season's over anyway. Let's get the let's give the rookie some experience. They could do that. But they actually showed Baker signing the, the $14 million bonus contract. So on TV, you saw him signing a contract in which he's getting guaranteed $14 million this year and then another $22 million later. And they they showed him doing it. I mean, I, I never seen that before on television, a guy actually signing a huge contract like that on HBO for everybody to see and talk about. You know, they talked about the numbers, which is oh, an unbelievable. And, and- and, Ross, and the first thing again, out of his mouth was, I got to call Cody Willard. I need to invest this money. I need, to, <laughs> I need to be a billionaire. And Cody Willard's the only guy that knows how to do it. That's what they talked about. It was amazing. And that's a you lot know? of money. But it's not compared to a trillion dollars at Apple. I know. I know. But and, I will tell you, it's a lot of money compared to uh, what, say, the guy serving coffee to you this morning is making. That's true. And I bet um, that guy pays a higher tax rate than Baker Mayfield. But I <laughs> want to talk sports, I hope. <laughs> so another story that caught my attention is the North Carolina um, suspensions. Uh, University of North Carolina suspended 13 players for actually selling their shoes that were given to them by the school so they can wear in football games. These guys have no money, you know. I mean, they would love to keep the sneakers, I'm sure, but they wanted the extra money, so they sold the shoes. Cody, you played profe- you played college basketball. You, you, I'm sure you got free stuff. Yeah, I'm, sure, yeah, I'm well, sure you have a back story about this. Yeah, you know, we, we were uh, – everybody on the team I was pretty poor. None, I don't think we had any wealthy kids at the University of New Mexico when I was a walk-on, and certainly not at Blinn College, uh, junior college. Uh, but at UNM, yeah, we would get – shoes and jerseys and practice gear and things and friends of mine teammates of mine would sell them at, at, at times sure if someone offered someone a hundred bucks for uh you know practice shorts they'd take it every time these kids were trying to eat i mean yeah. they're you know well, we I- had free food at the cafeteria but it's exactly like you said it, it that the fact that our coach was making a million dollars a year dave bliss who should be in prison for obstruction of justice in a murder trial uh, was uh, making a million or at that point, $500,000 a year. And he had kids that a, he was the, some of the boosters were giving, you know, like one of our best players was a real poor kid from North Carolina. And he drove around first day, showed up at at class uh, sophomore year. He had a brand new Eddie Bauer Ford Explorer. um, One of the boosters had given to him. Shocked. It's rampant. Everybody's cheating in college sports as far I mean, as I can cheats, tell. But the whole blasphemy of the whole situation was 
These were special edition Nike Jordan shoes. What college did Michael Jordan go to, Cody? I wrote Michael Jordan a letter when he was a freshman at, at the University of North Carolina. So these guys sold special edition Air Jordans and they go to North Carolina. That to me is a crime. They should be thrown in jail. They should throw, throw away the key. You're, you're, I will say idol. That, that the biggest great name point. in college basketball still is Michael Jordan at the University of North Carolina. He has a statue at Chapel Hill, Cody. Do you have a cha do, do you have a statue at University of Mexico of yourself? No, you have nothing there. Maybe, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think has a statue at the University of Mexico either. You know what's interesting though about that is if you had actually bought the when I I actually had the first pair of red Air Jordans back many years ago, nineteen eighty-four. Tell me you still have them. Tell me you still. This got is them. the point of my story. If you bought one share of Nike stock in nineteen eighty-four, it would yeah. be worth. You would have turned $100 into $35,000. Tell me if you, you bought had, it. If you had the original pair of Air Jordans from 1984, it's worth yeah. at least $35,000, more likely $50,000 or $100,000. The shoes are a better investment than the stock, and I'll bet you those kids who just sold those special edition Air Jordan and North Carolina shoes, those things will be worth Five grand or ten grand in five or tw ten. I agree. They sold them for one hundred ten dollars. You're right. It's a, it's a crime. It's a blasphemy. Why would you sell that? So to switch gears a little bit, the NBA announced last night the schedule for Christmas Day. You know, it's a big day for NBA basketball. Christmas Day. I actually watch NBA basketball that day. It's they play like five different games. The big primetime game is going to be the Lakers with LeBron James. We'll talk about him in a second versus the Golden State Warriors in Oakland. I think that game's going to be a blowout. They're, they'll try to promote it like, oh, this is a big matchup, LeBron versus Curry versus Durant. I I see it a blowout. I don't see it exciting. Um, there's some other games. I'd rather watch Boston and Philadelphia, which they're showing earlier in the day, but I don't think the Lakers have a chance. I don't think the Lakers will make the playoffs this year. How about that, Cody Willard? The Lakers won't make the playoffs because the West is so so tough. Any I'm opinions take, on the Lakers making playoffs? You'll see. I will bet. What are the odds? I'll go to Vegas and bet that the Lakers make it to the Western Finals. I don't know that the, they'll. Hold get on, to I have the a whole staff here. Hold on, getting it. The Lakers making the Western Finals is twenty-two to one. I just got that in my that. earpiece. I take those odds. I take put those Cody, odds. For, put Cody down for hundred. We we got that bet. Talking about LeBron James, he's the only guy that makes headlines. There's no basketball season. Basketball season doesn't come back till October. October. He's in the headlines every day, every day. You know what he's doing now? They announced his new HBO show where it's a talk show at a barber shop. That premieres on HBO in August. He has a new show on Showtime where he talks about all these political situations. That's going to appear on Showtime, I think, in I think October. He has new he has Netflix shows. He has like 12 different deals around town for all his production stuff. He's a huge producer. He didn't sign the Lakers because he wanted to play for the Lakers. He signed in LA so he can produce movies and TV shows. There's no, he keep, you know, I know he wants to win. We all want to win. Cody Willard wants to win. We all want to win. But what I'm saying is he signed to be in LA so he can produce movies, meet with big, big producers, meet with boss. directors, meet with Ross the boss. There's a whole reason why he signed here. It's not the reason why, oh, I want to make the Lakers a winner. I don't believe that. Cody, do. what do you think? You I believe think, that? I, I think that LeBron, you know, how many amazing athletes, prototypes, incredible uh, physical 
athletes, just, you know, God gifted natural abilities. Do you see come through the world? All, you know, one in a thousand. Tony, it's one every 10 years. It's one every 10 years. If it was Jordan. I think it's more often than that. That's my point is I think those one in a thousand athletes is truly a freak. Amazing. But then you have someone like LeBron or Michael Jordan who has that ability, but also is so, I'm going to call it genius. I mean, the competitive drive is almost genius in those people. And LeBron is, you know, I had, I, I, he has sustained since the age of 18 years old. He is now, what, 16 years into being one of, if not the very best basketball player in the entire world. That is just so mind-blowing to me. You have to have so much respect for LeBron, unless, of course, you're a Trump lover or Trump himself, and then uh, LeBron isn't cool or said something bad. Ooh, by, the way, by the way, on Saturday, LeBron's Trump done on more to build his own personal wealth than Trump has ever stumbled into or borrowed. I agree. And to assume you guys know the story, on Saturday, um, LeBron was on CNN talking politics, bashing Trump. Trump heard it. Somehow somebody told him, I don't think Trump watches CNN. I don't think he watches the news channels. I don't think he's capable of doing that. But he, somebody told him that, that he was blasted. Trump went on Twitter, blasted LeBron, starting a Twitter war with, with, a, with a professional athlete who's loved by millions. And, and, and Trump, for some reason, wants to pick on him. Well, you know, it's just but like- again- Ron, this has never been it, done in politics or with anybody with any any power in government who, who, who picks on the person who's like one of the biggest athletes in the world. It's amazing it to works. me that this is happening. Look, the one thing that people always have to remember is that Trump has a 90% approval rating from Republicans. And they're basically half of the active partisan voting population. That means 45% of the active voting partisan right. population loves Trump, whether he's bashing uh, LeBron or anyone else. And I wish that LeBron and all the other people that are considered Democrats and liberal would also stand up and fight against the Democrats because they're just as bad as the Republicans. And come on, I know, LeBron. I know, I know you're controlling the both. Really quick, um, Ross the boss. You know, I'm. I'm. I don't want to put my, pat myself on the back, but I have won betting contests in the NFL. I'm king of the hill in Vegas with with betting. I'm not allowed to bet in some casinos in Vegas. Um, yesterday, last week, I told you to bet the Bears in the Hall of Fame game. They covered. They lost by one, but you got two and a half. Let me give you a couple picks for preseason again. It's tough because you're playing third and fourth strings, but really quick. Um, give us, I wanted, yeah, give us your, give us your two best bets. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three. I'll take okay. Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. The world champions have a big marker in their back. If you look at their back, they have a big X. The, it, it, the Pittsburgh wants to beat them with their third and fourth strings, which I see them winning in Philly. Um, nine, I think it's like a high percentage when a team wins the Super Bowl. The next, the next game they play in preseason, they lose. Take Pittsburgh. The other one I like is just because I, I watch Cleveland and they're not practicing well. Take the Giants against Cleveland. You're you're getting one point. I mean, you're you're giving one point if you're the Giants. It's in New York. I don't see I don't see Cleveland playing well this week, especially with the death of uh, Hugh Jackson's mom. 
The other the other bet I like is like Kansas City at home against the Texans. Um, Kansas City is is like two and a half point favorites. Those are my three picks for preseason. They're shoe wins, they're locks. I never lose. I'm Ross the boss, and you know that's a fact. Jack. <laughs> Ross, oh. uh, always winning. But, Ross, I got to push back. I don't think, you know, the. I, I think you're going to be wrong on the Giants here. I would take Cleveland because I think it, Cleveland, of the very reason watch the show that last you night? said, the very reason that you said not to take Cleveland is the reason to take Cleveland. A, a death of a family member of the coach, the team will have so much buzz and family and chemistry going out there. I would take Cleveland over the Giants. In fact, Ross, right here, right now, I'll bet you a Pepsi. You got the Pepsi. I want a pe- Diet Pepsi, actually. It's and, a deal. Ross, and the I'm boss. Ross the boss, and I love talking sports with you, Cody Willard. Chris, thank I, you, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for being here, bro. Ross the boss. Ross Mark, everybody. That was awesome. You know, he's a problem solver. He'll take care of anything for you. You know who else is a problem solver? You, Cody. You're like the Villanella Ice of uh, fixing things financially for people. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. And we got Cody's mailbag here. First question. Your recent cautious outlook is well noted. With this being said, are you also looking for the short side for possible trading with Cody additions? Absolutely. I'm always... I spend tens of hours a week, hundreds of hours a month analyzing stocks. Um, there are in, in this particular moment, one of the reasons I'm so cautious is because so many mid-cap, middling, decent, not great technology companies are trading at 10 times or 12 times or 15 times their sales estimates for next year. And you know, 50 or 100 or 200 times earnings estimates. And that's just bubblelicious, I'm afraid to say. It's tough to find really good valuations. And so I think there's probably some opportunities in some of those mid-cap tech names if we can find um, some of the ones that are going to struggle fundamentally, sort of like, say, Snapchat. I should have been short Snapchat here into this call. Um, another one that I'm sure is going to be a good I'm never sure of anything in investing, but one that I do think will be a great investment. It's a short will be driver, uh, driver car insurance, car insurance is anybody who sells car insurance, including even perhaps, but uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway and their Geico being such a big part of their cash flow uh, business um, or, or progressive. Um, if you're selling car insurance in a world where we are all going to be go- riding driverless increasingly over the next 5, 10, 15 years, you are in a secularly declining industry and probably got a lot of problems ahead of you. So uh, I'm always looking for short opportunities, though. Chris? All right. A lot of Ethereum's detractors consistently bring up scaling as its main obstacle and why it may lose out to other cryptos. What's your take on that front, Cody? Yeah, scaling is definitely one of the major obstacles for any of these cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, even uh, certainly with Ethereum, too. The ability to scale up to facilitate what will be trillions of transactions, trillions of dollars worth of transactions, um, economic transactions is a crucial part of any you got to ask that about any cryptocurrency you're investing in. Can it scale? And I think in both Bitcoin and Ethereum's cases that. They, there are so many hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars being invested in Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin 
uh, and making them scale and making them quicker and making them better, um, that they, they've got a decent chance. But uh, that's what I told my training with Cody subscribers is that finding a uh, cryptocurrency that's going to win is sort of like trying to find a dandelion at Augusta. They do exist, and there might be one or two that'll bloom out and actually flower and throw seeds, but most will be killed long before they ever grow at all. I've been telling you guys for since December when Bitcoin hit 20,000, and I, I, I've owned Bitcoin since 100 for five years. I've been a long time uh, cryptocurrency bull and believer in the platform of uh uh, in the blockchain concept, but uh, I got bearish because it's a bubble and it was really bubblicious. And even today, cryptocurrencies, as I'm talking, are down 15, 20 percent across the board. Bitcoin's down 10 percent. Ethereum's down 10 percent. Um, some of them are down 40 percent in the last week. Um, I've warned you guys that that's probably the case. And I think there's still more pain ahead. But I do think there are going to be three or four or five cryptocurrencies out of the existing batch that will be very valuable over time. I don't know if you want to run in and buy any of them right now, but maybe put a toe in the water. If you, if you do want to buy some cryptocurrencies on a day when they're crashing like this, is a great time to buy your first small tranche, maybe one-tenth as much as you eventually want to own, though. Chris? All right, Cody. Question number three, the final question here via Trading with Cody. It is, who was your favorite and our most memorable guest back in the day of Happy Hour on Fox Business Network? You know, I got asked that question yesterday on the chat room at Trading with Cody, and it took me some time to think through who it might be, and I don't even know if I got an answer. It was an incredible experience. I was hosting a bar, hosting a TV show on a notoriously, quote-unquote, conservative news network out of the Bull and Bear Bar in the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. And we would have guests like uh, the one, some of the names I threw out yesterday, Tony Hawk, Norm from Cheers, I slid him a beer. I got to ride Tony Hawk's skateboard during the show. I, I hung out with Bodie Miller before and after, really had a good time with him. I thought he's a, another genius kind of mind, so competitive and stuff going on in there that was found fascinating. Uh, I, Interviewed, I didn't even mention this one yesterday, I interviewed uh, Jeff Chimente from uh, The Grateful Dead, um, or the latest iteration of The Grateful Dead, 10 years ago, and ended up backstage at, one, at their show afterward and was talking about the Republican-Democrat regime and how we, uh, that's all, we've got to fight them if you're going to have actually a political change of any sort. And Bob Weir came over to me and was like, dude, can you say that again? I didn't quite hear what you said, but I sounded really interesting. And and to this day, Bob and I are good friends. As viewers know, a couple, three weeks ago, I was hanging out with Bob in Albuquerque, and um, that was awesome. He came on the show a couple of times after that. Um, LL Cool J, probably the single coolest dude I've ever been around, and the crowd that showed up just to be around LL Cool J the day that he was on the show was really cool. Just There was so much uh, interest in, in fandom for LL Cool J, which I found so much interesting because – when he became a TV series, you know, he's on that CSI knockoff. Um, and I don't know, sort of, is that a, it doesn't seem like a superstar thing to do, be on a weekly TV show on a network. But uh, L. Cool J is still as big a superstar as any, except maybe even like Neil Patrick Harris, my oldest best friend in the world. It was always awesome having him on the show. Um, I'll tell you this story. I bet uh, 
Donald Trump Jr. during a two-hour block party when we had shut down the actual Wall Street. And uh, I bet him his inheritance versus mine that oil would crash from, at the time, 125 down to 30 before it hit 150. And he thought I was nuts, and it sounded nuts because, I mean, oil was going to have to drop 75% or something to hit my target, and it only had to go up like 20% to hit his target. Well, within... Three months, oil was back down below $40, uh, hit my $30 price target, and uh, we invited Donald Trump Jr. on the show to come back. He'd been on the show probably three or four or five times, and uh, he he would never come back on the show after he lost his inheritance to me. Um, And uh, actually, our first ever happy hour guest was Ivanka Trump, who was peddling a jewelry line or something she was hawking to the masses. Um, and I did actually send her a thank you note after her second or third appearance and asked her out and, uh, she never wrote back. And she also never came back on the show after her brother lost his inheritance to me. So there you have it. Some good times. I have to, I, I, I should write a book about the 515 episodes of happy hour. We did. It was an incredible time. Um, Chris, uh, anything from the chat rooms? We've been on for an hour. I'm exhausted. What do you got? Woo! Yeah, actually, let's comment back to Ross the Boss uh, sports segment here. Sure. Uh, there's no comparison to Jordan. He was the overall grittiest and a finder of ways to win. LeBron is an embarrassment to the game with the most whining and complaining and flopping. Disgraceful. I look. I was uh, I was disgusted with LeBron after that uh, playoff uh, when uh, Smith, I can't think of his first name, dribbled around and ran out the clock at, at the end of the first uh, reg- at the end of the regulation of the first game in the series there, the finals. And LeBron choked it. You saw him afterward. You, I watched the clips on Twitter where for a minute and a half he just sat there pouting during the timeout, and then. Did we have a timeout? That's not how you win. I mean, you knew the series was over at that point. But beyond that, for someone to sustain the level of greatness relative to everybody else in the world that is trying to be the best basketball player in the world, there's one guy for 16 years has sustained that. And don't get me wrong. I'm a Jordan guy. I'm not a big LeBron fan basketball per se but i i do respect the amount of work and dedication that he has given to his career to have it sustained at the level it's sustained at this long even if he can't win as many championships because he's in the end doesn't have the right uh wiring that not, not as good as jordan's was in the at the end of every game jordan was going to get you to at least have a chance Never going to collapse. LeBron collapsed at the end of that series, no doubt. That's a show, man. That was a beautiful thing you did. Hey, you too, Chris. As always, I appreciate all of your efforts in making this happen. Thank you to Ross the Boss. Thank you to Corey Turner. Thank you all for watching. Peace, love, and happiness.